Known each other. Yeah, I, but I, you must. You're just like an unforgettable kind of person. Uh, you do realize well, that. Right? Th- I mean, that's that's the you greatest compliment ever. That's like, not they're... always a good thing, though. That could be a bad thing. You know how you said, yeah. You know how you said there's like average voices. Well, like once you start seeing so many people, like their faces start to look alike too. Of course, I get that. I mean, you know like, so the fact that you're remembering me in the sea of like, seriously, since you've started this journey, it's been decades now like you've come in contact with millions upon millions upon millions of people who know you but you don't know them exactly and that's even weirder like when someone walks up to you hey push, punches you in the arm you're like <laughs> you, you know do i like know that? you like what is this super bad did you just punch me in my boob and walk away <laughs> was there a certain point in life where you had to like master the fake oh how are you good to see you of course i know you no well i guess there there's like the like I'll always say, it's good to see you. Yeah, because it's neutral. Because it's a, such a generalized thing. Like, so mm-hmm. it's not like, hey, oh yeah, it's good to see you again. No, <laughs> like I don't. Just I don't, in case, yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to see you, whether it be for the first time or the seventh. Exactly, it's a really, it's it's a better thing than do I know you? Like, then you can offend somebody. Yeah, and then if you say it's good to see you, they're like, hey, remember I met you last time? You're like, oh yeah, of course, like. Dude, you were out there. And then you just walk away. You, you, then you have to walk away. Though. But you, at the end, you just that's where the conversation's done. If you didn't remember them and then they're like, hey, remember? And you're like, yeah, you lied to them. You have to walk away right after. Yeah, because God forbid the story continues. <laughs> exactly. You're getting yourself caught into a lie that you can probably never get out of. I, I, I've gotten caught in a couple with I mean, some people. But you probably had like a good like neutral like, hey, it's great to see you. And I, I mean, like think about all the people who, who've come up to you over the years and they know everything about you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does that has that ever freaked you out? Oh, yeah. Like the scrapbooks get me. Those ones kill me. Yeah, really? They got like 20 years of scrapbooks with me in it. Well, it's documenting your life. Literally. I get it. I'm living it. But, but is that like a scary <laughs> reminder for you? Kind of. Sometimes. It's funny, though. It's It's weird. It's like, I don't know. It's like going home and like looking through like home videos or something, but just fans are bringing them to you. <laughs> they haven't. Instead, it's weird life, man. But, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> but it's nothing you ever get used to, right? I guess I'm, it's normal to me, man. It was weird. I was my, my abnormality is normal. Well, to what, you, what's what's abnormal to you is normal to me. Well, it was my friend Liz, she hit me up and she's been coming on the show for many years and she hit me, she's been traveling and she goes, you know, whenever I'm on the road, I get lonely and I watch our interviews and we've probably done like eight or nine over the years. And she says to me, they're like scrapbooks, they're mementos, they're moments in time, (laughs) they're memories and they're lookbacks at moments in our life. That's true. But everybody gets to be a part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you wish that there were moments in your life growing up that you could really just have to yourself? Huh. There was one moment when Ricky Martin mooned me. I wanted to all to myself. <laughs> Ricky Martin mooned me when I was like 11 years old. Did you ask for it? Like how no, that happened? I didn't ask for it. <laughs> well, how did it happen? <laughs> yeah, how did, how, like, where were you? I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Okay. There was like, I don't know, maybe 10,000 little screaming girls outside the hotel. Uh-huh. And like, there's these hotels that kind of like 
are catty cornered towards each other and they face each other. Okay. They're kind of like looking at each other and they're right on the water. Oh, got it. And these fans that couldn't get to the shows would come to the hotels instead. Uh-huh. And I'm like throwing out airplanes. Like I'm on one side of the building. Ricky Martin's on the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and I got stories for days, man. This is why, this is why people actually want to do radio interviews with me. Because uh, <laughs> of these real stories. These alternative facts, as they call them. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get to. Keep going. So you're on one side of the hotel. I'm on one side, okay. Ricky throwing, Martin's on the other. Yeah, I'm throwing paper airplanes with my autograph on him. And we're kind of like competing for their attention. Okay. But I'm an 11-year-old kid, and he was like a 24-year-old guy at the time, you know. A man. So, yeah, he was living in Vita Loco over there, like... <laughs> Like shaking his bonbon at me and everything, like it's crazy. I mean, did you? So I'm. I'm no, so he got mad at me, man. Like, okay. He got mad because all the fans were paying attention to me because I was like, you know, s- sending off these airplanes with my autograph on it because I'm really smart and I was like, this is how I can get their attention. That it's a good idea, actually, <laughs> and it worked. By the way, like that was before, Twitter back in the day. Yeah, before like they started like shaking the building and then yeah. like they came up, and they're like. Hey, Adios mio. You have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ricky Martin's on one side. You're throwing them. He oh, yeah. moons you. He, get, he got mad at me. Like they were all paying attention to me, and he mooned me. So his moon was out of anger, not out of like sexual it was an attraction. Anger, was like, wow. You know, y'all y'all missed all the the movement of. I- <laughs> oh, they're watching you. Oh, they are. They're watching. But I was like, imagine if social media was around back in those days when you yeah. were younger. Like, what would what would what would be on camera? I mean, it's everything. Literally it everything. everything. Now it's like. You're you. I'm pretty much like a liar now. <laughs> <laughs> you have all these stories and no proof. I'm like a liar, man. Like, did <laughs> Ricky even do a polygraph test? Like, <laughs> uh, so I mean, that's an interesting point, though, right? Do you wish you had social media when you were, you know, when you were growing up? Or and by growing up, I mean literally living a public everything. <laughs> Not really. I don't because I like that there was just. American Online aim, AOL <laughs> <laughs> Instant Messenger, yeah, and a Skytel pager. Do you remember using AIM like as a kid, like of talking course. to friends? Yeah, my my screen name was Little Cheech Bud. L- Little Cheech Bud. Yeah. W- would you AOL Instant Message Hillary Duff? Like, what was your was that your one of your forms of communication? She was. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, you got what was her screen name? I don't remember. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Do you know hers? She didn't have one. She was too cool. She is too cool for school. How'd you talk to her? Call her we, house, we her just, mom would answer. We just, Dina Lohan. We just looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> 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 no. She has a new show now. I'm aware. D- who tells you about that? Or do you just like find it from The Daily the Mail told me. Do you, oh, do you wa- read the Daily Mail every day? I read the Daily Mail, yeah. What, any other places you go for news? Um, I go to Huffington Post. I go to CNN.com. So you go to CNN. I, I thought you were going to be a Fox guy. Mm-mm, I go to CNN. You do support Trump, though, right? I don't. No, you no. did, though. No, well, I did for, like, the first, like, ten seconds. Okay, good. And then all of my fans enlightened me why I shouldn't, and then I stopped a long time ago. Great. Great. It's true. It's I thought true. this was going to get into, like, a heated debate here. I no, got there's nervous. no debate here. Trump is absolutely horrible and sucks. Okay, cool. And needs to go. Cool. Back to but Lindsay. What, what can you do? Back to Lindsay Lohan for a second. Mutiny. You break up with her. <laughs> was that hard for you to do, or, or were at the time? I was four. No, you were, How you, hard do you think that was? You were probably 13. Oh, well, that's the same thing as being four. But, but in that moment in time when you're 13, it's the biggest and only thing in your life. No. No, but you are. Are you kidding? He had no, a lot going for him. No, at you that did. You had a, you, hold on. Hear me out. 
Do you not relate? know me? I do. You had a, <laughs> well, at that time, it was really interesting, right? Because it's you and your management and your parents, right, all going at it back in 2003. No, just, the, my, the managers were the parents. That's right. One and the same. Not anymore. <laughs> Thank God, right? Stop, yeah. I think Lori Graf, my new <laughs> just right there. Which, so you have that going on, which is obviously like that, that. That's pivotal and that's monumental to your future. And then you have your personal side, which is your relationships. I mean, that's an interest. That's a terrible place for any kid to be ever. It wasn't. I mean, it's like no different than like if you're watching World Star Hip Hop and some four, little four year old kids like complaining about how he's on the phone breaking up with his girlfriend and gets caught cheating. Like it's like I was a little kid. Like yeah, yeah. It, you know, I'm t- like 29 now. It's different. Now I have to, you know, really have to be. Do you have to remind yourself of that sometimes? Not really. I'm smart enough to know that, like, I'm good with the woman I have. And and your team around you is, she's a really nice lady, Lori. Yes, she is. (laughs) She's not, you know, she's not always nice. (laughs) (laughs) But she's what you need. Yeah, she does. She's not a yes person. Let's put it that way. (laughs) When you're making this this move and you're, I mean, I want to talk heavy on music because it's incredible, dude. Love is... It's a game changer for you. I guess so. Yeah. Do you it's, feel that? Do you under? Do you really? Do Do you feel that in your heart of hearts? Like that? This music is. I mean, it's obviously so different from everything else. I've used the craziest comparison to tell people how I'm dealing with it right now. You want to hear? It? Yeah. All right. So, like, most people that like go swimming in the water and like get an arm eaten off by a shark, like, don't realize that their arm is missing, and like days later, are still like trying to like you know. <laughs> yeah. But. That's what I feel like. I, feel, I, don't, I don't realize what's going on right now. So I still think that I have like my, you know, that arm and I'm just kind of, it, it's shocked. I'm okay. shocked. I, I don't really know what's happening. So do just, you mean <laughs> that in a sense of this music was like this, this EP was attached to you and now that it's released and you have nothing else to create? Or is this like just how you've continued life? Meaning like music has always been there no matter what. No, I mean like the success of what's happening right now. And seeing 34 million spins in like five weeks just on Spotify. That's not including the all the amazing radio people that yeah. are playing it and spinning it. Like I was never an artist, that radio artist back then, man. It was taboo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we talked about that last time I was with you. <clears throat> Maybe not, but. <laughs> no, we did. No, we did. It, it was it, it was so taboo for like a little kid, you know, and that was really frustrating for me, you know, because I was like, man, why can't I be on the radio? And but is that with also being seen as a serious artist? Do you feel like anybody ever saw you as a serious artist back in the day? I don't think they did, and that's okay. I mean, I think when I started doing live shows and incorporating playing the piano and doing stuff like and just taking it further, yeah, the fans that they were forced to see that live, you know. But back then, I mean, I really wasn't a part of the writing and stuff. I mean, I did a couple of things. I wrote on a couple of songs back then, but not a bunch. But this time around, you know, like, because when I lost everything and I'm like, all right, parents aren't managers anymore. Um, I haven't been on tour for like three years. I'm 18 years old. Like I like last time I toured was like 15, 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like big tour. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this back? I just my whole goal was to literally just get a bunch of music gear and learn how to become a producer and learn how to make beats and stuff so that, like, I could come back and be a credible artist. I literally thought in my head, if I can learn how to do this and come back, I'll have a lot of ground to stand on. I'll have a lot of room to talk about what this project means and where it came from. Like, 
sooner or later, like when I first started making that beat, I was in Malibu and I was in a very depressed time in my life going through a breakup. And, um, and I, I remember it was raining and I listened to the beat and I'm like, Oh, it's so funny. I remember the mood I was in. Like, like, and that's how I try to make music. I don't just sit around making beats all day long. I actually haven't made a beat right now in like a month and a half, but I don't need to like, so, okay. Do you feel like today you can call yourself a true genuine musician? I think so. After getting like, um, even just a million spins on Spotify. It's a big deal. And now it's like 34 million in like this, this short amount of time. It's crazy that it's accumulating a million spins a day. What, what fueled it's, this? Why was it so important to you to go out, get the gear, do it on your own, hit the road, make this music from scratch? Who are you trying to like prove your worth to? To myself, man. I swear on everything. I was just trying to prove it to myself. And I think I was trying to prove it to people like, I mean, there was managers that I had previously, like I, I had like one manager named Kenneth Fair, Johnny Wright, these guys. Yeah. And I would always play them my beats and stuff. And people would just kind of just like, like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'd have like 30 on one CD to play them. <laughs> and I'd be like, here's all these. I got all these beats, you know. And they would just kind of look at me and just kind of laugh and chuckle and just be like, yeah, whatever, Aaron. You know, you're making beats, you know, whatever. And I just never gave up on making beats. I just always wanted to prove everyone wrong. I've always had this thing in me, this fire that wants to prove people wrong with actual genuine ability. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago when I was playing my first beats that I was making for people, yeah, maybe they sucked. They, they did suck. But I didn't give up. And 10 years later, here I am still doing it. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to take, you know, some, some, I feel like I'm ready with my beats to take them to my team. You know, I, I took them with Melanie Fontana, John yeah. Asher, Lake Street Louie, and Lindgren, who's my co-producer, who, you know, he He's does, a badass yeah, dude, by the way. Yeah, Lindgren's cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're kind of like the chain smokers, him and I, you know, on my own project, except I'm one of the chain and he's the smoker, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or maybe the other way around, I don't know. So you, you feel like you really need to prove it to yourself. Right. Is that because everybody around you growing up told you you were a musician without really allowing you to actually be one? Because society and no. the world saw you as a pop star. No, no, they no. saw you as an artist. No, because when I was, you know, doing it crazy and huge arena shows all the time, back to back, I was really learning how to become a musician with my live musicians that were okay. performing with me. They were teaching me and they were like, like Stan, Simone, PDP and P-Base. I still have the same band. I've been performing with the same band for literally like 18 years. That's that's amazing. So I learned all of these chord progressions and everything from those guys. And then I think like, I don't know, just getting older and just wanting to show people that, hey, this is all the stuff that I learned in the interim and all yeah. the time that, you know, on the, in the sound checks and on the buses and when people weren't really watching, what was I doing? and that's what I was doing. I wasn't, I'd never been a big partier, never gotten into trouble really, you know? Yeah. I got arrested once when I was like 18 well, for, for weed. weed. Yeah. Like, I'm 29. That was 11 <laughs> years ago. Like, it's a different world now. You know, it's a different world. And, uh, and now I just, I have this like, almost like a vendetta, I guess you can call it. Just this, this thing inside is fired. It's like, all right, you guys. I'm going to come back 
And I'm going to show all of everybody, including myself, all the people, all the managers that made fun of me, all the labels and the, you know, that that turned their heads to me, you know, the Steve Rifkins and I, I'll, I'll I mean, say names. No, I, okay. dude, like, I know you are because I, I've, like, I, I don't have any qualms saying. But names. why do you why are you so OK with that? Like, do you not feel that this is an industry still based on relationships? Well, because Steve Zapp believed in me. <laughs> Yeah. And signed me, not Steve Rifkin. <laughs> so, you know, like it, it's so based on belief, but y- it's based on belief. And at the same time, it's like I, I also applaud those guys. Thank okay. you for for turning your head to me because maybe I wasn't ready yet. Maybe I did suck. Maybe I still needed that push, you know, to drive me to really focus and learn and get better because you get better if you learn. So as, you have as long the discipline as, to learn. So you're taking their their them not wanting to invest in you as fuel to get better, right? You're not taking it Absolutely. as an insult. No, I mean look, Steve Rifkin is who he is because he's Steve Rifkin. <laughs> yeah. You know, and to a lot of people I was I looked like um a risk or why would you do that with Aaron Carter? Mm-hmm. Like we thought he was dead. Or we, you know, like he's such a risk. He's such a train wreck. Why All do you think stuff. people see you as as a risk? I have no idea. Who knows? Maybe a, a House of Carter's TV show that was done like <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten years ago, when I was a crazy little teenager. You know, coming out of a crazy life, turning eighteen years old, getting all of this money, and going crazy. <laughs> what is your biggest like, regret from that time period? Um, probably not, not listening more to like the people around me, you know, like Lori, (laughs) like, you know, at that time, but I was just so stubborn and I think I just needed to, I'm just happy I made it out alive. Do you regret House of Carters? Um, I don't say I would regret it, but yeah, I regret it. (laughs) Did you even have a choice in doing it? Yeah, I did. I was the last one to sign on to the contract, actually. (laughs) Then they it took everything they could to get me to do that show, and well, I finally signed on that tour. Didn't I, Lori? At the very well, end, I was what was the, the breaking one. point? What What did they offer you that made you say yes? Some money. Yeah. <laughs> Does any of that money still exist? Of course. You still you sit on it somewhere because you're investing in this music. It's yourself, in like music right? gear and Yeezys and stuff. Well, that's it. <laughs> assets. <laughs> it's an, it is in assets. It's all in assets, you know. Do you get offended when somebody calls you a throwback singer? Because I I, I news searched your name just to like do some research, and there was one headline that says you're performing at a parade, and they called you a throwback singer. Yeah, they're um. It's kind of funny how a lot of people do things. I think they slap Aaron's party pictures. On shows because they just think that, oh, this is, I would go to a show if it, I thought the 12-year-old Aaron Carter was going to be there. So I'm going to promote it like that. Like, yeah. It is what it is. They do what they want to do. Like, my management and my agents and my team, they all know that we don't, we don't mess around with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, so they kind of do it almost like, it's almost like jokingly and gimmicking. Yeah. And uh, that's just not who I am. So... The people who start to do that, either I take them down or I don't perform at their shows anymore. Do you so it's like I'm not a 90s party no. boy. Like, sorry, just so y'all know, like Aaron's party came out in 2001. Don't get it twisted. Don't, you can't, like, how can you make a theme for a show? Oh, this is the 90s throwback show. Aaron's party. Oh, what? did you look at the date? It's in 2000. It was released in 2001, you dingbat. But you're also not going to be performing. You don't perform any of those records anymore. 
Do you? I do Aaron's party and do how I be Shaq. I cool. just did a, I, uh, my producer and my co-producer and I we we redid the beat for I Want Candy that's going to be on the new album. Oh, dope! We did like an EDM version of it. Yeah, I like I do it at my leisure. Yeah, at not my, at theirs, at, not at yours. Yeah. This is not a like so. I'm not a, a karaoke like gimmicky like. Let's put a quarter in the jukebox and see what he and and let's yes. pick what he's going to play. But you are a businessman and you know that that you know that can help sell a record. Well, yes, it can, uh, but at the same time, I'd rather, like, I'd rather succeed, you know, doing what I love than giving everybody what they want, yeah, you know, and then and and then really succeeding. I'd rather fail doing what I feel is right than doing what they feel is right and then succeeding temporarily. But also, what you because, feel is right is pretty much right because if you don't move on, you can never define yourself as a new person. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's so much philosophy to it. There really is. But at the at, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a, a musician. I have spent years in t- oh, like over like 11 years straight, guys, like basically reclusing myself, spending all my money on gear and buying new products and, you know, new instruments and and learning from different producers and and accumulating sounds and that's and getting to where I'm at. That's and that was my whole goal. It's like, yeah, I'm spending a lot of money, but watch me make it back <laughs> with me. what I believe in and how I I I don't have to pay any investors, man. It's all you. I was the investor. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's hilarious. I was the investor. I was my investor. I never asked anybody for anything. But I mean, that's how freeing and how incredible is that to also like to do it on your own and have the ability to do it on your own, but then to solely own your own art. Right, like nobody else. That's yours, right? Well, I mean, not te- not technically. I did sell the masters to Sony, but <laughs> okay, okay. Well, but, you did it your- yourself. Yes, but I know what I'm doing. I think so. Hell yeah! You know they they deserve it. If they're gonna put their their big machine behind me, take it. You guys can own the records. I'll make more. Do I've you- already made more. They're sitting in my computer right now. Do you still <laughs> think you can be one of today's biggest pop stars? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna go out there and do my best and. uh and have the mentality that I I want to be the best, and I do want to be better than everyone else. Because I, well, <laughs> like, I do, and it might, it might take it or leave it. Like, well, you did say that like Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun should be scared, and if you were them, you'd be threatened too. Is like the goal to be as big as Justin is now? Like back, like you, when you were huge when you were a child, is the goal to be that big again? You know what? The thing it's so funny. Somebody told me this one time. They're like, and it was such a pivotal, changing moment in my life. Um, this old rocker guy, he's like, okay, man, he's a good friend of mine. It's like, you know, you can never do what you did when you were 12, again, right? Or 13 or 14. He said, you know, you can never, he says, you know, you don't want to do that, right? And I was like, really? I don't? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. He's like, you want to, you want to transcend that. And you want to, you want to be bigger than that. Oh. And it's always going to be my goal to be bigger and better. And there's never, there's never going to be like, uh, Oh, I reached the top moment. There's never going to be that. There was never, there, there wasn't that moment when Michael Jackson gave me his jacket and said, because you're the Prince of pop. Here you go. This is for you. I was like, okay, thank you. So does it annoy you when people call Justin the Prince of pop now? Because, like, the, the king of pop called you the prince of pop. He did, and he gave me a jacket. And, actually, I became the prince of pop when I beat his Guinness Book of World Records for being the youngest male solo artist 
have four singles in, on the top 10 Billboard charts at the same time. And I beat Michael Jackson's record with one of his songs being one of those four. So and that's when Michael Jackson found out about me. And that's when after that, shortly after, my mom wrote a book called The Prince of Pop when Michael gave us permission to do so. Where do you have that jacket? Do you have it? That is it. I'm not telling you. <laughs> really? But, uh, do, you, do you own it or did? Uh, of course I have it. Yeah. Okay. In a vault in a very special place. Good. In Florida. Cool. No, I, you, you never know. Like that's, uh-huh. do you consider that your most valuable possession from that moment in time? From like that history from the past you? Mm. I guess so. You must have, you've acquired some cool stuff, you yeah. know? It's so funny. Bruce Willis gave me a jacket too. <laughs> I don't know why, why are you guys giving me jackets? <laughs> what kind of jacket did Bruce Willis give you? <laughs> he gave me the uh, one that he wore in Die Hard. Come on! Stop! Yeah, really? Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it had like blue plaid in it. What, where is, is that one in the same vault as the Michael Jackson jacket? No. <laughs> that one's in a different place. Cool. It's crazy. I <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, if you have kids, you, you're going to have kids one day, I'm sure. And, that, you know, that will, you pass that down. That will be forever worth a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, in, in regards to what you said to, like, Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun and all them, I totally, you know, I, I respect, you know, both of them and what they've done. and. But um, but you get hurt but, but when they trash your name. When somebody wants to mess with me, you can't really do that. And I'm sure Justin understands that. When someone messes with him, he don't take it. Mm-mm. No, uh, never. So I'm like, yeah, and hi, my, I'm Aaron Carter. Hello. You think I'm going to take it? No, I'm not going to take it. I never have, even when I was a little kid. Even when I was a teenager. Even now I'm, not, I'm an adult. I'm never going to take it. I'm not going to. And neither does he. I'm sure he can relate. What is the most important quality to have if you're going to make it in this business? I don't know. To just be cool. Just to, to not think that you're better than anyone else or anything like that. Like, it's just, it's the, the, the perception and the personas that, that really irk me, that, that, that get me about people. It's like, don't try to be something you're not. And if you don't quite understand who you are, okay, I can see why you, you're, you're living in a perception. But for me, it's just like, I don't know. But isn't that the biggest issue? If you don't understand who you are, how can you ever truly be genuine? Well, figure it out. Watch the Marley documentary and identify with yourself. <laughs> like, for real. Like, yeah. just figure out what's your identity. I, Is look, that what I did spent, it for you? Did that, did that documentary change it did. <laughs> your perspective? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it's, it's really cool. I love that, that documentary. It's called Marley. It's on Netflix. I watched it a million times. <laughs> and, uh, and also living in New York City. Did that too. Life changing. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh my! Come on, you were um, doing a show, living in Manhattan. What an incredible time! Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough doing Broadway and off Broadway. Rather, um, I've done Broadway and off Broadway a little both. Off Broadway is much more difficult. Eight shows a week. I mean, I did that show because I had really nothing going on. I just got finished doing Dancing with the Stars. I couldn't get on tour to save my life. I didn't know a booking agent or anybody or how to do it, anything like that. Couldn't get on any tours, nothing, not opening for anyone, nothing. So I was like, all right, I'll go to this. I'll try to, like, you know, go to off-Broadway, Broadway show and see how that works and, and see if it can, you know, open some more doors for me or show um, the world that I'm accountable or, you know, hey, if Aaron Carter is doing eight shows a week and a whole ensemble depends on him to be the star of the show and bring ticket sales to it, it eight proves. shows a week for two years straight over 500 <laughs> 550 shows performing yeah maybe i have my head on right <laughs> mm-hmm. so i did that and i was at every single show never missed one i even 
did shows on my birthday. I took two breaks off my, when my grandpa died and my sister died. That's the only breaks I took during that, that time. I have a lot of respect for you because you, you, you commit to new challenges. You take on new tasks. One, I, you know, for everybody else around you, right, to prove that whatever their stereotype, that whatever their preconceived notions about you are pretty much false, right? You're battling a mindset that is hard to fight. But doing these, doing the stuff changes that over time. But also doing Broadway proves to you that, like, you could do this. It's very tough. It's one thing to do, you know, Dancing with the Stars for three months, four months straight. But then it's another thing to do eight shows a week for two years straight and two and a half hour show. And you're the star of the show. Yeah, it's tough. It's a lot. It's tough. And mind you, I was making equity on Off-Broadway, $654 a week. Yeah. That's how much I made a week. $90 a show. That's... It didn't it wasn't about the money. Like it was about you... the investment in myself and you know like I got to do this. I got to do something in, in the in the art field in, the, in what I do to get people to believe in me again. And do you feel like it helped people do you feel like people's perceptive perceptions book, change? A, a booking agent showed up in the show. I okay. stayed there until finally a booking agent came to the show. It was like, I'm a concert booking agent. Let's put you on tour. Started off with 12 shows. 12 turned into 40. 40 turned into 80. 80 turned into 200 that year. Wow. And I went from making, you know, like 30 grand a year to like a lot of money again. Yeah. You know? Wow. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, like, Oh, sorry about that. No, go for it. No, go, go. No, I want to talk about the new music again for a second. Yeah. So all of these songs, are they about like heartbreak or losing a girl you're into? One person. One song. All the, all the songs are about one person. I wrote them and produced all the beats about one particular situation. So now that you're in a happy relationship with another girl, is it weird talking about them and promoting and singing because you're constantly reminded of this old girl? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm kind of I'm completely disconnected because my 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 new woman is just incredible. So it's everything I could have asked for, or prayed for, and more. Um, but I think it's harder for her, you know, because she actually does know how real it is and listens to the words and. I think people are just starting to get out of the fact that they are like listening to the beats. And I love that. I love yeah. people listening to my beats. I like so happy. And, um, and Lindgren's happy too, my co-producer. <laughs> <laughs> We're both really stoked. But now think, I think people are starting to pay attention to what all of these songs are about. Yeah, the story. It's called love, but it's not like chipper love, man. It's bad. It's 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 all the aspects of love. It's understanding the crap love to get to a good love. And the person, you, that person, like me, I was the idiot that stayed in a relationship for two years with a backup dancer of mine who was using me for her resume. And literally, I caught a message from her messaging her friend on Facebook when we were in England saying that. Oh, that. And she can't deny that. That's beyond, like, a stab in the heart, man. It was. Like, and I stayed with a girl for years after that. Like, Christmas. Like, wouldn't even get any gifts on Christmas. I got her everything. Like, would lie to her mother and tell her she's working a New Year's Eve party when she's really sitting next to me on, on like, Ooh. you know, on Christmas Day. Like, a couple, couple of days. Like, liar. Just, yeah. And you can't tolerate that kind of thing. Like, people can't take it. Like, don't take it. Like, I was so depressed. Like, my manager is also, like, my mom. And, like, even though, like... Last year was like the whole was I broke up with the girl in like I don't know like April or something last uh-huh. year or something like that and then 
I was so depressed that I had to like move in with my manager and like live with her. She's like my mom too, but like she had to like help take care of me because I was like so sad. And we had a record deal. We had all this great stuff. The music was done, but I was in the super lowest. I was in the lowest point of my life. Was it because you were so dependent on your ex-girlfriend? What was it? No, there was nothing to depend on. <laughs> there, there was nothing there. Like there was nothing for me to to, to depend on. And but, that was the moral of this whole yeah. This whole EP was is I wrote and produced something that like I would make the beats when when the girl wouldn't show up or she was it was like she wouldn't do what she said she was gonna do or I was really sad or I was like alone by myself out in my house in Malibu and I, so I'd make that beat. I'd make a beat. And I like most of the beats were called the, what the titles of the songs are already. Like sooner or later, the beat was called sooner or later. That's what I named my beat. I re- well, I really like the beat on um what is it called? Uh Dearly Departed. Is that yeah, the one? Yeah. See that caught my attention at first and I was Dearly like, Departed, her name was Lee, my ex girlfriend. So Dear Lee Departed. Oh I get it. <laughs> That's clever. Like that. Dear Lee departed. Yeah. Bye. Does, I, she departed. Does everything with you start at the beat? Right? It always, starts always. One million percent. Mm-hmm. That's where it begins. Nothing else. But do you hear some of these songs and you're like, people aren't giving it a chance because it's me. Like if I took this song and sold it to Justin or sold it to Zane, it would be <laughs> one of the biggest songs on the radio right now. You know what? That's okay. I, I would rather work really hard and deal with adversity so I can appreciate what I get when, if I get it. Mm-hmm. When I get it, when I get it, I will get it because I'm not going to give up. I didn't give up over the last 10 years. Nothing came over from it for the last 10 years. And then boom, something happened because I still didn't give up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, Zane and Bieber, you guys can take your 100 million plays. 34 million in 60 days for me. It's I'm happy. Not I'm bad. a happy guy. <laughs> like, I'm a very happy guy. Like, it took like um, fool's gold. It took a year for that song to get a million plays when I released it independently. I signed with Sony Records. I got 34 million plays in 60 days with Sooner or Later. So I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. I think this is a dawn of a very cool day in a new era of Aaron Carter. And I, I might even say like it might be a new era of Nick Carter too because the Backstreet Boys are doing some crazy things up in Vegas. Like, you know what? It's so funny that you say that because our managers, and my manager and our managers, they all talk about it. And they're like, it's so cool to see, like, the boys, like, the brothers, me and Nick, yeah. you know, the Carter brothers, like, both back doing our own thing, standing on our own two feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick is on the other side of the world. I'm on the other side of the world again doing it again. Just like when I, w- I was a teenager and younger. Like, I'm so busy. I mean, we're getting offers in from Australia and Ireland and China and Philippines and South America it's and awesome. Canada and, like... To do shows and radio. I'm talking. I mean, I just did an hour and a half interview with just Ireland radios the other day. That's awesome. So, and that's awesome. Like, it's so cool. I was never a radio artist, guys. Like, you know, it was never a thing for me. So, all everything that I'm seeing, I'm very happy. And yeah, you know what? Like, who knows? Maybe if you put these songs with somebody like a a Zane or Bieber, yeah, they would be good. Well, guess what? If y'all need records like that, you know who the writer and producer is. looking at him you're looking at him and you're listening to him too hell yeah so that's what makes me different that's what sets me apart and is that i'm i'm the producer man look at the credits guys i know 
Like, <laughs> hey, you're so proud of it too. I was going to say before you were out there talking to a country band in the lobby of our building, and like you were just—it was like your child. You were just so happy. <laughs> it is. It's like really cool child. to see. I mean, it really. And for the first time, do you feel like this music is yours? Like, and could you well, say the is. same about the music you've done before? No, I can't. I know who wrote that stuff. Yeah, wasn't you, Josh? Uh, Josh Schwartz and Brian Kirloff. They're like a. <laughs> One's a Jewish guy and one's an Asian guy. They're the guys that wrote. I'm serious. Yeah, they're the yeah. ones who wrote Air's Party and How It Be Shattuck and all that. Like, they're, they're like New Yorkers. Like, like, like no, I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing my thing now. And you know what? It's going to be really fun. I look forward to it. Like, I got so many tricks up my sleeve. Like, now that, I, you know, I, I do get such a big hand in the creative process, I can do things like I can create a new song called the Aaron's Party Part 2 if I want. <laughs> Call Macklemore, get somebody, or Wiz Khalifa, have him feature on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Call up Shaq, do the rematch, and make him rap on the song with me or something. <laughs> like, no. Dude, like, I got... Are these feelers out, or no, are these, these just ideas right now? Man, these don't even have to be... All I gotta do is make a phone call. Dude. That's it. Dude. That's all I gotta do. All I gotta do is make a phone call. Do you have and a, I'm probably gonna make that phone call. Do you have, like, a backlog <laughs> of fit favors like that, that, like, you know that you can go? You, you know what? It's, it's just if you're a good person, people will be good to you. And if not, they're probably busy and got something else they got they got to do. That's and that's it. That's all. And that, that's amen. what it is. You know, I, the thing about me with coming back out with this project, I was really adamant about not being a, a piggyback rider. You know, I didn't need any buddy featuring on it with me to get any piggybacks. Oh, Nothing. You. I came back self-titled Aaron Carter, love. You know. Boom. So. That's it, you know, and, and it's very gratifying. It's awesome because, and you know what, I I really want people to have the same kind of mentality. Yeah, like don't ever give like just be. It's like somebody who like tries to run for like twenty minutes and is like, oh man, it's like a cramp in their <laughs> liver and they kind of bend over and stop. No, get up, go through the pain, deal with that pain. You you might it might like make you hit the ground eventually or mm-hmm. maybe you can push through the pain and it'll go away like but at least try it at Aaron least- <laughs> you're d- dude you're dropping some serious spiritual wisdom on me today, <laughs> and it feels real nice hey thank you for hanging out you got any more questions well yeah that's not spiritual or serious at all but uh <laughs> two things first yeah I watched the video and you were getting tattoos removed oh yeah and- Two years later, they're completely covered again. <laughs> wasn't wasn't the wasn't the idea when you remove them to not get them again? Well, I was really just trying to get rid of tattoos from an artist I didn't like. Uh, okay, <laughs> but it. yeah, and then I was trying to like start over. Yeah, I'm gonna start over and do this, but like I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one, you mentioned your brother, but when you were growing up, were you allowed to listen to InSync? No, I would. I didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> Backstreet Boy family only? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, no, I, I didn't want to. Okay. I mean, I loved NSYNC. I mean, NSYNC even, you know, they opened up for me for a couple years in Germany. So They opened up they were, for you. Correct. Isn't that cool thing to say? Yeah. <laughs> they were cool. Cool guys. Yeah. Wow. Aaron Carter. Thanks for hanging out, man. Much appreciated. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love always seeing you, man. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.